Good morning, church. Thank you. Welcome to Crossroads. Thanks for coming to the building. Thank you for those of you joining online today. Uh, we ask you just please stand up and join us in this first couple of songs. Get the blood flowing and uh, welcome God in this place. See 
Thank you for being so good in our lives, and we ask you to just be with us, help us draw closer to you, be mindful of the words we sing and the words we hear today in this place. In your name we pray, amen. When you pack shoebox gifts with Operation Christmas Child, you're sending joy and blessing children all over the world. Through your simple act of kindness, children experience the love of Jesus are discipled through the local church, and are empowered to reach their families and communities with the good news of Jesus Christ. To send joy to children all over the world, visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Everybody get their red and green box? Yeah? A couple of you are like, oh, I didn't even see them. It's because people are grabbing them. And so my encouragement to you is grab one or grab a few as you leave and then bring them back the week of November 16th through the 23rd. And so inside these boxes, if you're new to this, is a little piece of paper that tells if you're going to pack it for a boy or for a girl and what to put in there and what not to put in there. And so my encouragement to you is do this with your, with your spouse, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, you know, your families, and, and pray over these boxes. You know, use this as an opportunity you know, to, to just really get, get our minds and hearts thinking about other people. You know, because the kids that receive these boxes, they may be the first gift they've ever received, and they're going to hear about the greatest gift, which is Jesus. And so um, grab one, and if you have any questions, um, you can check out our webpage, you can check out our website, um, or you can see the table in the lobby and uh, be able to answer any more questions you may have. But my encouragement is check out the website, OperationChristmasChild.org. Samaritan's Purse has phenomenal videos and testimonies. Show them to your kids. They're really, really, really cool. Um, so that's that's happening, and uh, make sure you grab your box as you guys leave. Um, and then the next thing is we have our next steps meeting right after the second service uh, over in 207. So it's the last room on your left as you pass the restrooms. 
over here in the hallway. And so we're going to start at about 1230. And so this is our membership class. And so Pastor Ken will be leading this class and we'll be answering questions about church doctrine, staff, um, you know, church history and how do we serve? You know, what, what does you know, God say about tithing? We talk about all different types of things, uh, but more importantly, helping people take that next step and making this church your your home. Uh, so that's right after the second service. And then Wednesday, the 28th, we have our trunk and treat. And so we have, guys, we have about 500 kids signed up. So um, we're looking for about 10 more trunks. And so keep uh, signing up. Uh, if you guys could sign up on our webpage or you can meet me at the Welcome Center and I'll be able to get you signed up to um, decorate and uh, bring your trunk on Wednesday. And so if you uh, could do that, we're looking for about 10 more trunks to help serve uh, these families. And so that's going to be the 28th uh, this Wednesday from 6.30 to 8. And you can check out our website for more information on that. I also want to let you know about a really cool opportunity we mentioned a couple weeks ago. Uh, we have this opportunity come up, coming up this Christmas. And so this, this, this week, uh, this uh, um, December, we have this thing called the light of the world. And so what we're doing is we're, we're having this opportunity. And so I'm going to pull up this next picture. So if you've been to Ogilvy or you've seen these light experiences, we're going to create that here in our parking lot. So... Yeah, it's a big deal, and we need a lot of help. And so talk to Beth DePietro. We're going to have stations all over the parking lot and just having people drive through. And or we're still figuring some of that uh, those details out, but we need people that can build, people that can decorate, people that can just walk around and help. Um, so please talk to Beth DePietro in the lobby. She'll be here, and she'd love to answer any questions and get you on that team. But if, even if you can bring supplies, if you're like, I won't be there that week, or, you know, I don't want to do any acting, I don't want to do anything crazy, you know, uh, but you can help in the background, we want to put you on that team. So this is an incredible opportunity, people, um, because, listen, 2020 is like no other, right? And so we want this Christmas to help people see, like, it's like no other with Jesus. So let's let's do this together as a church and lock arms. This is a really cool opportunity. Um, I also want to show you just, again, just what God's doing here at Crossroads. So let's pull up this picture. Um, many of you drove in. I don't know if you saw the, the building, but, like, we got a new door up there. we got the stone coming up. So can we just thank God that uh, what he's doing, it's really, really cool. Um, and, and you're going to see that change, you know, as the time goes on. And so more things are going to keep popping up. But we're just so thankful for God giving us the opportunity and the privilege to, to do something like, you know, change the aesthetics and, and update. So uh, keep watching out. Drive, through, drive as you leave here and just check it out. It's just beautiful. So we're really, really thankful. Um, as we move to just this next time, I'm going to pray. And, and what I would encourage you to do is just be reminded that God has given us a gift. He's given us, you know, big or small, he's given us gifts. And all, you know, all things are from the Lord. And so let's give being in being understanding that God has given us so much. And so let's be faithful and, and continue to be on mission. So thank you for giving online for the mail and the lobby boxes. Um, but God is, is, is truly blessing this church, and we're so grateful. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we just pause and take a deep breath and just thank you, God, that um, you give us today. God, and more importantly, you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. And so we have hope in him. We, we trust in you, Lord. We, we lean into you. We um, just give um, everything to you. And so, Lord, we, um, as we give of our finances, and many have already given online, many have already um, sent in their tithe through the mail, and, Lord, your faithfulness of your people is just humbling. So thank you for um, giving us what we've been given. And, Lord, I pray that as we grow in giving, um, Lord, and as we grow in understanding about what you've given us, Lord, that you would just continue to help us see um, the greater picture in all this. Lord, that um, 
that we just got to we give back to you what's been given to us. And so, Lord, we, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity. And just like Kyle said just a minute ago, uh, Lord, prepare our hearts. Um, Lord, as we um, sing and as we hear your word, Lord, we love you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
always be fixed on your face. Help soften our hearts so we can lead others to Christ and lead the people outside of this building, the children inside this building to Christ. And we ask you to be with us. Soften our hearts, help us hear this message, and help change us. In your name we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here today? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve today. Before I jump into the message, I'd like to just remember a few of our people this morning that are going through some tough times in our church. Um, first of all, Cindy Kohler lost her mother. Those of you who know Cindy Kohler, she helps out in our children's ministry. She lost her mother, Lillian Baird, on the 15th of October. And, you know, this has been a hard season. A lot of people haven't been able to be out and quarantine and all these different things. So I want you to pray for uh, Cindy Kohler. Uh, also this week, Lillian Raniger passed away. Lillian used to sit down here about the third row back, her and her sister, um, Caroline. Lillian is 88 years old. And I have to tell you this, Lillian and Caroline, they were just the sweetest people. And as you, as you age, I want you to know that everything is different. I found out that Lillian was part of the church before Pastor John was part of the church, okay? So she was here more than 50 years, is what that tells you. Um, and her son was telling me about experiences that they had over in the old building over there on Piney Fork Road and uh, just some really cool times. And so we, we had her funeral on Friday evening. But I just got to share this with you. As, as time changes, you know, I'll never forget up here working with music and different things through the years. I would see these two ladies sitting there. And, and, and you know, as you get closer to 80, everything changes, doesn't it? Like, music's not the same. Nothing's the same. Everything changes. And these two ladies would always come over and say, Hey, thank you for doing such a good job today. And they would say, We just love the drums. And I was like, You're 80 and you said we love the drums? I was like, Are you for real? And they're like, We just love it. As a matter of fact, can we have a drum solo one of these days? And I was like, Really? Listen, these people love to see young people. Can we thank God for the heritage of our church, loving the next generation? So I, I, when, I, when I see that, and so when we, uh, we had her, her uh, home-going celebration Friday night, we celebrated that fact. We celebrated the fact she drove school bus for South Park District for 42 years. Somebody went online to her son on Facebook and said, I just want to thank your mom she pointed me to Jesus. I'm now a follower of Christ because of your mom. That's the kind of legacy we want to leave. Amen? So I'm thankful for the people of our church like that. And then one other old-timer. He's really not an old-timer. He's just 87 years old. And uh, his name is Ken Meyer. Ken Meyer is in the hospital right now. He has been battling this, uh, this virus that we're all concerned about out there. And uh, he's been in there about two weeks. And I want you to pray for Ken Meyer. And I want you to send him a card to the hospital. So if you take a pen out, I'm going to ask you to write his name down. If you know him, send him a card. If you don't know him, send him a card. Just say, hey, we're praying for you. His last name is spelled M-E-I-E-R. Ken, M-E-I-E-R. Okay? And uh, he is in Jefferson Hospital, room 3235 
Obviously, you can't get in to visit, but uh, we can get in with a card. So I'd love to see about 100 cards come in the mail on Monday and Tuesday. Wouldn't that be awesome? Go down to the Dollar General. If they have any left from the first service people I sent down there, you can get a, a card and send that on out to them. But let's just remember these folks in our prayers today. Ken is, uh, I'm hearing encouraging reports. Things are moving along well. But uh, this isolation is really hard. And at 87, he's not operating cell phones and all that stuff that... Other people can operate so well. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I lift up those that are hurting in our church family. God, we think of Lil Raniger, went on to be with the Lord last week. Lord, thank you for her faithfulness, her legacy. Thank you for her sister Caroline that's still part of our church family. Lord, I pray that you'll put your hand upon them, uh, upon their family as they grieve, Lord, for her son, for her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. God, thank you that she was just a silent giant in our church. She was faithful. She came every week. She, uh, she didn't need any fanfare. Probably not many people even knew that she was here. But she was faithful in your presence and in your sight. And God, you welcomed her home. You said, well done, now good and faithful servant. Lord, we think of Cindy Kohler as she lost her mother, Lillian Baird. Lord, I pray for Dave and Cindy Kohler on their journey Lord, as, uh, as, as I saw Cindy here today, Lord, this morning, she is uh, no doubt grieving, Lord. We just lift up Dave and Cindy Kohler to you this morning, Lord. And God, I pray for the Meyer family. I thank you for Janet Meyer. Thank you for Ken Meyer, for, her daughter, for their daughter Melissa, their son Kevin, and their families, Lord. We just lift up Ken Meyer to you today, Lord. And as he's battling uh, in the hospital, Lord, we're hearing good reports and, Lord, uh, I want to ask that you'll continue to, to put your hand upon him. But he, he probably has an, a number of days left in that hospital. So, God, I pray that you'll just touch the hearts of our people as we send cards to him. May we just send him encouraging words that he knows that he is loved and cared for by his church family. Lord, we lift up all those that are sick. Lord, we know there have been a number of people uh, that are associated with our church, Lord, that have been infected by the virus. But uh, all have survived. All have been uh, have done well and all are in recovery now as we speak, Lord. So I thank you for what you've done in this church, how you protected us, Lord, um, and how you, you've just put your hedge of protection around your children. We love you. We thank you. And I ask for your, your blessing as we continue to move forward, Lord. Thank you for the vision you've given us at this church to impact the community even during tough times. In your name we pray. Amen. We are looking today at the blessed life. We've been talking about how to have a blessed life. We've looked at several statements. Today, we're, uh, there's eight statements. I think this is number six. And uh, the blessed life, let's look here, Matthew 5, 8, if you would read it with me aloud. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you know, when, when you look at this, blessed are the pure in heart, what does that mean? It just sounds so religious, doesn't it? It sounds so beatitudish. It just sounds like, okay, this was the words of Jesus, but what was he really saying? What did he mean when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God? And your first look at it is, well, it must be to be really a good person, to be a really goody two-shoe, to be a, a, a perfect person. And then you say, well, that doesn't include me because I'm not that perfect person. I don't have those, uh, those qualities of, of, of being good all the time. And, and may I share with you that God knows that because there are no perfect hearts. There is nobody that has, uh, has not sinned. There's nobody that is not struggling with sin to this day. So the pure in heart, these are the people that are going to be happy. He says happy. 
Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But you've got to come back and we've got to look at a few things. What does it mean to be pure in heart? So as you come in, I've been encouraging people. We have fill-in-the-blank notes out there. They're on the table as you come in. Um, if, if you grabbed one of them, continue to fill that in. If not, take out a pen and jot it down anywhere on any piece of paper. But I want to give you a few things this morning as we go. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What, what does it mean to have the heart? First of all, whenever, whenever we were uh, teaching children, I remember for years teaching children, we would tell children that they should invite Jesus into their heart. Well, what does that mean to invite Jesus into your heart? What, what does this mean, this heart? Is God concerned about your blood pressure? Is God concerned about this part of you that pumps blood? Well, as adults, we know that's not true. But what is the heart? Well, the heart has, there's a few elements to the heart, and I'm going to give you a few of those elements of the heart. First of all, there is an emotional element to the heart. Uh, in uh, John 14:1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. He says, listen, I know it's going to be rough out there. He's about ready to tell them that they're going to be going on. You know, Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. This is just a few short hours before he goes to the cross. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be overcome. You believe in God, believe also me. In other words, God is going to be the stability of your life. So don't fall apart emotionally. Don't let this thing fall apart. Don't let your heart. So there is an element of emotion to your heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, We've talked about this verse a whole lot through the pandemic, haven't we? When we shut down all society, we shut down the whole world. God says, don't let your heart be troubled. And so God says we've got to protect our hearts. Uh, There's an intellectual element. Uh, over in over in Hebrews 4.12, talks about the Word of God. It says, for the Word of God is like a two-edged sword and, and gives many things. But the last thing he says, it says, for the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So there's an emotional element to the heart. And then there's this intellectual, there's thoughts, there's intentions, there's, there's other parts to the heart. And then there's this, this idea of the will. Like, you know, it's the place where you make decisions. I, I'm going to make a decision for my life, what I'm going to do. This is all in your heart. Daniel said this over in the uh, book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's food. He purposed in his heart. It was inside. It's like, it's like the inner part of you. So the heart is your, is the, uh, is the inner person. The fill in the blank definition there is the heart is the inner person. And I want you to catch that because it's the center of who you are. It's the master control of your life. And God says that, that that heart is what he's looking for. He's looking for this pure heart. He's looking for the pure inner person, the pure inner master control of your life he wants it to be pure so look at what he says over in proverbs 4:23. guard your heart above all else guard your heart read it with me above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it above everything else so so yes you have your life you have your marriage you have your career above everything guard your heart like this inner part of you this inner inner inside of you the center of your being god says to guard it because if you don't guard it it will easily be distracted it will easily go to whatever comes next and you will easily destroy your life because everything flows out of your life comes from your heart 
It is the heart that we come to God. Like when God's talking about salvation, it's the heart. And, and he says, I want you to trust me at the heart level. Not just the, not just the head knowledge. Not just an emotional, but your heart. I want your will. I want the center of who you are. And look what he says here in Romans 10, 9. One of our favorite verses here at the church. This drives what we do here. Let's read it together. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is how that we are saved. Whenever we come to this knowledge to understand that we trust Jesus in our heart, it's in the center of who we are, we come and we give him that. We give him our mind, our will, our intellect. We give it all to him. Um, the Pharisees in the, in the New Testament, they struggled with the heart, didn't they? Like, uh, you know, they knew what it was like to have the outward conformity. They could do the law. They were really good at performance. And, you know, many people today are like that. They're really good at performing. But their heart is empty. Their, their heart is, is cold. Their heart is broken. And, and here's what Jesus said about them. He said, Matthew 15, 8, he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. People honor me. Oh, yeah, they got it on the outside, but the inside is terrible. One time he even referred to the Pharisees as whited sepulchers. He said they look so good on the outside. And that's what it was, a, a sepulcher in that day. The, the tomb would look really good. But on the inside, it was just rotten and nasty and smelly. He says that's what them Pharisees are like. They look good. They know how to conform. They know how to perform. But the inside, their heart is rotten to the core. The inside, their heart is just destroyed. It's decayed and it smells and it's nasty. And he says this is not how you want to live. The heart, of course, is the source of all trouble. Catch that. Your heart, my heart, is the source of all trouble. If you're having trouble in your life, it's your heart. It's always a heart problem. We are prone to blame people and circumstances um, and even God for the wrong things that we do. Have you noticed that? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, he made me do it? She made me do it? If he wouldn't have, if she wouldn't have, you know what? No. That's your heart. That part of you with the will, that was your choice, your decision, your emotions. You chose because somebody else did something to you, you're going to, and because somebody didn't, you're going to, because they looked at, you're going to, and the list goes on and on. Do you realize that that's a heart problem? That is not the other person's problem. Quite often the other person doesn't even know it. The other person's moved on. You've got this, this, you're coming back at it. And so what happens is we, we can blame circumstances. Well, if only I would have gotten that promotion. If only I would have gotten that degree. If only. No. Do you realize that it's a heart problem? As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above everything. Um, it, it's beyond cure. In other words, you can't cure it yourself. Who can understand it? Jesus said over in Matthew 15, check this out. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Hmm. It's the center. Out of your heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimonies, lying, slander, and the list goes on. It comes from the heart. See, if you're looking at outward conformity, if you're looking at outward performance, 
you have to understand that that all comes from the heart. So as you're, many people are able to transform and make it look good on the outside, but the heart is where everything starts. And so God says, listen, all these things that are your troubles that you're dealing with, that's a heart problem. And so the question is, can the heart be changed? Can you have a change of heart? Did you ever hear somebody say, well, he got a cold heart? He's got a hard heart. He's just, he's just, a, he, he's just a terrible person, right? Um, then you ever hear somebody say, well, he had a change of heart? Um, can the heart truly be changed? According to Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews was telling this, and, and he quotes Jeremiah here. He, uh, he said, he's talking about how that we no longer have to go out and sacrifice animals anymore. And he says, listen, it's all in the blood of Jesus. He says, this is the covenant I will make. And he's quoting from Jeremiah. God himself says, the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. He says, I will change their heart. Uh, at, at one point, the nation of Israel falling away from God. Now he says, I will call them back. I will write his law. God will write his law on their hearts. God does the same for you and I. And I love what he added here. He continues on. And then he adds, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. Aren't you thankful today that whenever God changes your heart, he no longer remembers your sin. Isn't that powerful? Like, like when the psalmist in the Old Testament says, Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not what I have done. And because God forgives and he forgets and he wipes the slate clean. That's why you want to have a pure heart. But you can't get the pure heart by trying harder. You get the heart by God. So the answer is yes. Can charge be changed? Yes. God changes hearts. And as you're sitting here this morning, I want to remind you that you're here probably because God has changed your heart or he's in the process of changing your heart. And he's, he's cultivating and he's, he's doing something in your heart. And you're here not just to hear from me. You're here to hear from God Almighty. You're here to connect with his people. You're here to interact and say, okay, Lord, I want you to continue to develop this heart of mine. That's why you're here. That's why you've joined online this morning. You're, you're hanging with us. You, you want to see God do this. Look over what happened in the Old Testament. You read about a few people that had some heart change. Saul was the, the first king that God chose for Israel. And uh, this is very interesting. 1 Samuel 10:9. Saul turned to leave Samuel. God changed Saul's heart. God changed his heart. And all the signs were fulfilled that day. But it's interesting that God changed Saul's heart. It doesn't say, now Samuel was such a good prophet... And by the words of Samuel, all of a sudden Saul changed. Saul went to church every Sunday and Saul changed. No, it says that God himself changed Saul's heart. Samuel was being used by God. Samuel was not in charge of the result, but God changed the heart of Saul. Uh, and then, you know, why, why does God change hearts? Because he's the one who is looking at the heart. Um, 1 Samuel 13, he says, but now your kingdom will not endure. Um, Saul went out and, uh, and he, got, he got sidetracked. And he, he didn't stay in the pure heart. Like God transformed his heart. God brings him in. Then he decides, I'm going to do my own thing. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. 
God was looking heart. See, God looks at the heart. And so when, when David comes along, he comes up, uh, he tells Samuel, he says, listen, I am looking for the heart. First Samuel 16, 7 says that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many times have we done that? Have you looked at somebody and said, wow, you know what? Look at great leaders. And, and we look on the outside and we say, well, that person has it together. I remember going to, uh, to, uh, to the Wax Museum and seeing the, the presidents and, and reading about the presidents that most of the presidents are over six foot tall. Have you noticed that? It, it's, a, it's a thing about leadership. They say, you know, great leaders are over six foot tall. And I'm like, well, what's that do for the rest of us? You know, <laughs> what, what about us people that are 5'10", 5'8", you know, what, what, what about some of my shorter friends? You know, I mean, that, does, that doesn't mean anything. That means that man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And I'm glad. I don't have time to be president of the United States. So it's okay. Listen, God, God, and man looks for the stature. Man looks for, oh, look at his talent. God's not looking for a talent show. Really? You think that your human talent is impressing God? We think that my human stature is impressing God, that my full head of hair or my lack of head of hair or whatever, I think that that's going to impress God? God says, I'm looking for the heart. I'm looking for the heart that's pure. I'm looking for the heart that is single-minded coming towards me. And so Saul, he tried to, he tried to fear God and he tried to fear people at the same time, and it didn't work. He comes out and he says, listen, I, I, I need honor. And so God says, I'm not going to share my honor. Over in 1 Samuel 15, he says, please honor me before the elders of the people. I've sinned. I've done wrong, but I still want you to honor me. And, and so God says, listen, I'm not, going to, I'm not sharing my honor. I, I, I want you to be honored. I want you to be looking for God, not for the praise of people. And it's so easy today for us to just go and... And, and get distracted. You know, you can get so distracted, you can want everybody to be happy. And if you want everybody to be happy, go drive an ice cream truck. That's where everybody's happy at, okay? That's that, that, but, but if you're going to do anything else, there's going to be people that aren't happy. It's just the way it is. And, and so in your family, if you go to pick dinner tonight, they're not all going to be happy. God bless you folks trying to make dinner for your kids out there, you know? I heard one pastor, he was telling, telling about how he went to pick up dinner for his family and he had to stop at three different drive throughs on the way home from work because one kid don't like tacos, the other don't like chicken, and, you know, and the other has to have pasta. I don't know. But he had to stop at all these places. And I said, my pastor friend, you need just get a pizza on the way home. Everything will be fine. Listen, we can't go to please people. God looks at the heart. And so the heart that's looking for God isn't going to look for the praise of man. It's going to look for the praise of God. A pure heart is going to be seeking God and Him alone through everything that happens throughout life. Over in Psalm chapter 7, the, uh, the, uh, David is praying a prayer, and he starts out his prayer talking about his enemies. He says, let my, let my enemies pursue and overtake me. Let them trample me down and, and may, may I sleep in the dust. And he says, listen, this is, this is horrible situation. And he's laying it all out before God. See, a, a person who's pure in heart is okay to be honest with God. And so David goes through this prayer and he's honest with God. And then at the end of his prayer, in verse 17, he says, but I will give thanks to the Lord. 
because of his righteousness. I will sing of his praises. I will sing of the praises of the Lord Most High. And you see, listen, life is horrible. Life is terrible. And what David was doing, even as he was praying, he's cultivating a heart that's pure before God. He's coming, and he's not a perfect. We know that David wasn't perfect. David was a man after God's own heart, and he goes out and sins. There's two massive sins that you read about in the life of David. One that you're very familiar with was whenever he went out and he had to sin with Bathsheba. And it's like, how can he be a man after God's own heart? You know how, how, why he's a man after God's own heart? Because when he was done, he was convicted by God Almighty, and he sought the Lord, and he repented. And he said, Lord, I have sinned against you and you alone. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. David said over in Psalm 19, he says, May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. If you're looking for a verse to memorize this week, I would suggest this one right here. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth, the meditation, what my heart thinks about, may it be pleasing to you. Think about this. Is what you're thinking and what you're speaking pleasing to God? Well, David says it's probably not. So God, help me. Help what my heart is thinking about because it affects my mouth. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. And so he continued to cultivate this. Over in uh, Psalm 57, he, he cries out to the Lord. David had been in a situation where Saul, remember Saul was, uh, was elected king, and then you know, God chose him to be king, and then God says, your heart's gone awry. I've got to choose another king, so I'm going to find somebody who has a heart after me. And so it's David, and so Samuel anoints David, and, and in between time before the transition actually happens, there's this tremendous tension between the next leader. So here's Saul and the next leader, and there's this tension. And Saul's throwing spears at David. Saul is, is going to kill David, and we have all this trouble from Saul going over to David. And so Saul and David are, are, are in this tension, and David comes up, and in Psalm 57 we read this prayer of David because he's in the cave. And in Psalm, uh, Saul, I'm sorry, Saul, the scripture tells us that Saul was relieving himself. And, and David finds the ultimate opportunity to take him down. Now, check that out, you know. Here he is. He's just kind of standing there. And David's on the backside. He comes up and he's got his knife. And David, and the scriptures even tell us that David actually went and cuts a part of his garment. And then he says, No. I can't do this. I will not because this is not the heart of God. This is not what God wants. And the Spirit of God takes over. And he, in Psalm 57, prays to the Lord. And he says it twice. He says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And imagine David praying that as he walks away from what could have been one of the biggest disasters of his life. Oh, yeah, he had, from a human speaking, Saul had been throwing spears at him. Saul was going to take him down, and, and he could have taken him, but he realized that that was God's man. And he wasn't going to go after God's man. He was going to go after God. 
And so God had to take care of revenge. God had to take care of everything. And so he catches himself. So what was happening here was that David was, had a heart that was pure. He had a pure heart. So second point in your notes this morning, what is a pure heart? A pure heart is unmixed. The Greek word for pure here, there's multiple words for pure in the Greek. The one that was chosen here is, uh, is from the word that means unmixed. It was from an Old English word. That, uh, it, we get the Old English word from this, meaning cathartic. A doctor would use a cathartic to cleanse a physical, uh, physical system. So you would be a, a cathartic. Uh, a psychiatrist would use a cathartic to cleanse the patient of hostilities and other destructive emotions and attitudes. Maybe they would help them to cry. Maybe they would do things like that. Um, you would use this word in the sense of being clean, but it's not, not like, you know, perfect. It is being unmixed. And I want you to think about this because gold is a perfect example. Gold, when the dross is removed, is pure gold. Gold must go through a refining process. And so as it goes through the fire, the gold, the dross is removed and you have pure gold. And so as you're thinking about this, I was looking up and I said, well, what's this whole thing about gold and, and 20, you know, 12 karat gold, 14 karat gold? And I found out that 24 karat gold is pure gold. Nobody told me that when I was buying my wedding rings. I was all excited about a 14-karat ring, right? Bought my wife a 14-karat gold. If you get 12-karat gold, it's 50% real gold. In other words, it's mixed. It's not like, ah, uh, you know, it's mixed. It's not pure. And so God says, a heart that's seeking me is unmixed. It's single-minded. It's, it, it's toward God. And the best way I can describe this to you is, is whenever I go on an airplane. You know, whenever I fly, I'm not, the, I'm not the world's most enjoyable person to be with on a plane. I'm kind of quiet until I don't know you, and then I start talking to you the whole time to help pass the time, right? But I'm, I'm kind of quiet because, I, you know, I just really don't want to fly, and I'm not into it. And, and I'm, you know, thinking about stuck in this tube for a couple of hours. And, and then, but what, here's what happens. When you go on an airplane, the pilot, the pilot has a, he's unmixed. He has a single mind. He's going to get you there safely. He's not even there to get you on time, is he? Many of you who fly know you're not always on time when you fly. Um, He's there to get you there safely. And he's not even there to get you there comfortably, is he? And so whenever I fly, I too want to get there safely, but I want to get there comfortably. I, I, I don't want any turbulence. I'm the guy who, on the way to the airport, if it's raining, I'm praying that the flight will be delayed till tomorrow, okay? I'm looking and saying, you know, because I know every time I take off and we're going up through the clouds, and, you know, ask Mark Schlegel. We went the first time to Ecuador together. I swear I didn't think we were going to live to tell about it. We're we're over, over Panama or something, and that plane was just going crazy on us. And Mark's sitting there. He's having fun watching me the whole time, you know, because I'm just like, I'm panicked. Because I had a mixed goal, was to get there safely and comfortably. And so when that plane's taking off, I just went down to the funeral last week for my friend in, uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, and as I was getting ready to leave that day, it was pouring down rain. And then I woke up in the morning, I'm like, really, God, i got to fly out in the rain? 
Because those pilots know that that plane can handle that rain. The pilots know what I don't know. They know that it'll be bumpy, but they're going to get me there safe. And I get on there, and man, as soon as it starts to get bumpy, I get sick. I get, I get cold sweat. I get, well, I'm always hungry, so I mean, that's, you know. But everything happens when I get up there, and it's just like, wow, this is crazy. And so I have this, this mixed goals. And so what happens in your life is it's easy to have mixed goals. I want God, but I also want this. I want God, but I want to be comfortable. I want God, but I, I want this cushy and, and this and don't, don't, don't rock the boat. And Listen, God said if you're going to follow me, you've got to be, you've got to be unmixed. Oh, you're going to sin and you're going to repent when you sin, but you've got to be unmixed and you, you've got to be following me. And as a matter of fact, it's a singleness of heart. It's the word integrity. I want you to catch that. You can write that word down, integrity. Because as you look at, at, at your life, are you a person of integrity? You know, integrity is doing what you said you would do. You follow through. You know, if you told somebody you're going to be there at 5 o'clock, you're there at 5 o'clock. You're not there at 5.30. You're not there at 10.30. You're there at 5. You don't make an excuse. Oh, it was a hard day. It was a bad day. It was a long day. Listen, integrity says, man, we showed up. We're unmixed because that's what integrity is. It's unmixed. And so integrity should invade all of our lives. And Jeremiah 32, 39 says this, that I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that, that, that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. So it says, I will give them singleness of heart. It's God who gives us the singleness of heart. And so as you're coming through life, I think this is what happens. You start to grow in Christ. And when you're, you're new in Christ, you say, yes, I'm ready to trust Christ. I'm thinking about going to heaven when I die. I'm thinking about following him. And you start the journey. And then you get on the journey a little bit. And all of a sudden, we find some of these phrases in the Bible that say, enjoy the fellowship of suffering. They didn't tell me that over there. Enjoy the fellowship of suffering. Okay, so I'll take that. Oh, now I'm suffering. And this is where people divide. This is where people run and hide because they are no longer willing. They are mixed in their goal. They, are, they want God. They want comfort. They want God. They want it their way. And God says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the unmixed. For if you're seeking after God, you will see him. And how will you see God? How will you see God in your life? You will see him in, in, in a number of ways. Um, you know, God, Jesus himself over Matthew chapter 6, uh, he gives this illustration here. He illustrates it because your mind can be, can, uh, your heart can be, can be twisted. Your heart can be looking for mixed things and you're looking for multiple things. And look what Jesus said here. I'm just going to read this to you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He's talking about, about the mixed goals of life. He says, don't store up for yourself. He's not saying it's wrong to possess. He said, don't be selfish. Don't be about you. And he's saying, don't store up for yourself. Don't make your life's goal about storing up for yourself because these things are all temporary. And I've told you many times before, I've do, I do many funerals. And I've never had a U-Haul behind a funeral. 
right? Nobody ever takes anything with them. When we leave this earth, it's us and God. We're going directly to him, right? So he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and varmint destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He says, however, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and varmint do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. See the difference? When you're, when you're pure-hearted and single-minded towards God, you're looking at His will to be done over everything, not how can I get more, what makes me better, what my family, me, me, me. You're saying, what is the will of God? And God will many times bless. God does bless people. He gives them abundance of, of wealth many times, not for themselves, but to be stewards of it. And when you're a proper steward, that's the kind of person that God can trust. You know, when we come in and we tithe, we give our, our offerings and our tithe to the Lord, that's the person that God says, I can bless, I can trust them, because they're, they're the ones that are doing what I said to do with it. They're not hoarding for themselves. They're, they're taking care and they're saying, okay, this is, I'm going to tithe to God. They, they go out and they give money to the poor. And it's not just a token thing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going, to, I'm going to give $20 a month over here. I mean, it's like they take care and, and they sacrifice and they, and they do things. And, and, and like, wow, God says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. When you do that, when you're giving and your stewardship, God says that you are storing for yourself treasures in heaven for it will last forever there. He continues on. He says, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so this whole thing is an illustration right here of the, of the pure heart. He says, listen, I know you're going to struggle with this, but where your treasure is, so, so don't be struggling with the things of this earth. Struggle with God. And, and, and make your treasure there for your, where your heart is. And so, so when, when you're living life, are you seeing the, the, the move of God through everything? Are you looking, you're saying, wow, what is, what is God doing in my life? What is God doing in this world? And, and, and I can see his hand. And so you ask yourself, um, he continues on there. I'll just jump to the conclusion verse there. He says in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. We'll go ahead there to verse 22. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so he's saying, listen, in your heart, pure in heart, and this is one illustration, and this goes true for everything. When we are mixed in our heart, I want this, but I want that. I want God, but I want something else. I want God, but I want something else. God says, no, 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 no. Seek me. Seek me. And over in verse 33, he says, seek me first, and I'll take care of everything else. Be pure in heart. Um, How will we see God? How do we get to see him? There's four things in your notes, and I'm going to give you these. We will see God, first of all, in creation. Um, If you are pure in heart, you will see God in creation. Um, Psalm 19.1 says this, The heavens proclaim, read this with me, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Um, I, I just want to show you, I mean, has it, not, has it not been the most beautiful season ever in Pittsburgh? Like 2020 was the worst for events that, you know, have happened and pandemics and all that. But seeing as we had like winter till May 15th this year, I think God has just blessed us. It's been the most incredible summer, the, the most incredible fall. I want to show you this picture here. This is the picture out my front door of the house. That's my neighbor's house with their tree. Isn't that just gorgeous? 
And, and I'm so thankful it's on their land because they get to rake up the leaves and not me, you know. But, but I, I, I look at that. I'm colorblind and I can tell something happened to it. It is just like, wow, you know, like it is bright. And, and, and it's like, man, this is just incredible. So, so last Sunday I did something really crazy. I got done with church and we got in the car and I said to my wife, I said, let's drive to Ohio Powell. And she's like, today? I was like, no, three months from now. You know? No, like today, let's go, right? And so, so we got in the car and, and we drove up. We went up to Ohio Powell. Next button's a little sticky here. Button, there it is. I, the button was really sticking today. Uh, we went up to Ohio Powell. We're, we're just like, we're, we're like, I, I, I told a few people we're getting like old people. Like we went, we drove an hour to look at leaves. You have to understand, I've never done that before. Like, like I specifically went up into the mountains to look at leaves that I really can't see. And I took my wife and she's like, this is so beautiful. And it is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I want you to check this out because what God did was he, he and we'll go to the next one here. Uh, this is Ohio Powell, good picture of it. You know? uh, listen what happened. The seasons are about to change in God and all of His glory. Now, listen, when you're focused on God, you catch this. When you're pure in heart, you catch it. When you're not, yeah, just another thing, right? I'm driving up there, and my wife and I were having this discussion that God decided to take a paintbrush. He knows what's coming for us. He knows that pretty soon it's going to be covered in white stuff everywhere, right? And God decided to use his paintbrush. And he says, I'm going to show you my glory. And all you people down there in the city of Pittsburgh and in western Pennsylvania, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you who I am. And he takes his paintbrush and he paints it. And he puts reds and oranges and purples and pinks and whatever else is out there. And he puts it all out there for you. I got the orange part. You got everything else. Right? It's like God did this. And, and if you're not pure in heart, you won't see it. You'll be worried about this rust and must. What happens here? How much more can I get? God says creation itself declares glory. Do you know the people in Florida don't get to see this? They get to see God in other ways. It's called hurricanes. And I am thankful for those leaves right now. Are you not? It's like they get to see God in hurricanes. As a matter of fact, the psalmist David, he, he prayed. And it was really wild how he prays about the, over in one of the psalms. He prays about how in the, in the storm he hears the thunder is the voice of God. And he hears the, the, the lightning. He sees the lightning. And, and, and you just read it. It's like, wow, he was in tune. And he saw God. He didn't see a storm that was going to devour. He saw the hand of an almighty, almighty God. Secondly, we see God in circumstances. We will see God. If you are pure in heart, you're looking for God in your life, you're going to see him in your circumstances. When you're not pure in heart, when you're looking for yourself, number one, you will see all circumstances as bad and just, things just didn't go your way. God says, listen. In the, in the book of Matthew, a, a dozen times, 
He says, this was fulfilled. This was fulfilled. This was fulfilled. These things were fulfilled. It was a fulfillment of God's prophecy. Jesus was a fulfillment of the prophecy of God. And I want you to wonder about your life. What is the fulfillment of God in your life? What is he doing in your life? Another one of our favorite verses here, Romans eight twenty eight. Would you read it aloud with me? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, bad things, good things, bad things, good things, all of it. That thing that's bugging you like crazy right now, it's haunting your mind and your heart, God says, all things work together. And you say, well, I wish I could change this way. All things work together. All. And if you are pure in heart, if you're seeking him, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for his good. Thirdly, you will see God in the world events. The events in our world. And may I just say this, that I know that something's happening next Tuesday. There's a Walmart's having a sale on ice cream next Tuesday. And as you go out to the voting booth, get some ice cream. I want to encourage you. Listen, no matter what happens next Tuesday, we're going to see God. There's choices to vote for out there. And I want to encourage you to go vote. That's your right as an American. And that is our duty as a citizen, as a God-fearing citizen to go vote. But I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you to get alone with God. And when you go vote, you go vote. And then I want you to, when it's done, to see God in the events of this world. Because if your candidate didn't get in, it doesn't matter because you're going to still see God. Did you catch that? If you look in Daniel, God placed Nebuchadnezzar and he put Nebuchadnezzar in. And Nebuchadnezzar was in there to oppress the people to get them to God. So as no matter what happens in our country, no matter what happens in our land, I want you to be able to have a single purpose. And the single purpose is not political. It's a powerful purpose. It's a God purpose. And as you look at the events in the world, go back and understand this, that history is his story. It is God's story. God is writing his story. So, yes, let's go out. Let's do our part. Let's be God-fearing citizens. Let's do what God's called us to do. And at the end of the day, let's look for God, not for what I'm looking for. Amen? Let's not be mixed. It's so easy to be mixed. It's so easy because God's not into politics, folks. I wish he were. You know, in the Old Testament, he put kings up, right? Well, God puts kings up today. But God's not saying he has his own party. God doesn't have a political party. Can we thank God for that? Amen? Yeah, let's thank God for that. God doesn't have a political party. But I'll tell you what he does have. He has you, and he wants your heart, and he wants you to be focused on him. And as we march out there, can we see God even when it looks Daniel, I want you to think about Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, he's under Babylonian rule, under Babylonian oppression, and he is on his knees before God, and he's praying in front of an open window. He wasn't looking for the government to make his life easy or happy. He was looking to God, and not necessarily even for God to make his life easy or happy. He was seeking God. And folks, the pure in heart, that's what we will do. We will seek God no matter what happens after the ice cream sale at Walmart. 
And lastly, his word, definitely not least, but his word. When you open up his word, you will begin to see things and God will begin to speak to you because you'll, you know, right now you you may say, well, I find God's word a little boring. Well, let God cultivate your heart a little bit more. Keep reading it. Keep coming back. The more that God cultivates your heart, all of a sudden you can't put it down. I've been having the most fun as I've been digging in and studying for the, the Beatitudes. I'm like, you know, and I've heard these things all my life. I didn't even know what they really meant. And I'm just digging in. I'm like, wow, man, I'm finding out this and I'm finding out that. And it's like God is speaking to me and, and I want God to speak to you. And you don't have to come to hear it from me. He's given you his word and you get to hear it every day. And when we come together, we also make his word preeminent and you're hearing his word here, but you're also seeing his people and you're connecting and, and just interacting. And God is just so good. Amen. I want to encourage you. Seek him and you'll see him. That's why we're blessed, the pure in heart. We're unmixed, are devoted to him. We don't always get ahead. We might lose some battles. It's okay, but we're going to see God. Because you know what? The people who are winning the battles, they ain't seeing God. Wow. I'll take seeing God and suffering than to have everything comfortable and never see God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, the first step to seeing God, the first step to a pure heart is to let God change your heart. So I want to invite you today to Jesus. Would you, would you call upon him and just ask him into your heart, invite him into your life. And just pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But I believe that you died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me and... God, I invite you into my heart and soul right now. Lord, I thank you for that gift of eternal life, and I thank you for your love. Thank you that you will take my heart and you will change it. And for others in this room today, maybe, maybe you've been mixed. Maybe you've not been pure lately. It's, uh, it's, you've been, your, your devotion's gone to multiple things. And listen, these other things are, are good things, but they're, they're not the main things. And maybe you've gotten your main goal has been mixed. Maybe your main goal has been to please people or to, to be better at whatever. God says, I want you to follow me. I want to ask you today, would you come to Jesus and renew that commitment to him? Lord, Give me a pure heart. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the powerful richness of a pure heart, of being unmixed. And Lord, I pray for, for all of our church family, Lord, as we, as we seek you, God. We just want to be following you. I want to be like the little Ranigers who followed you for 50 years. And nobody even knows who they are. But they have been following you because they have been seeing you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Just a uh, just real quick on your way out, if you can if you can help us with a trunk for trunk and treat, we ha- we need about ten, could use ten or more trunks. So uh, please stop by the welcome center, see Luke McLean, and then also if you can help with the Christmas, our Christmas light up thing, it's going to be awesome. Many ways you could help. If you can put up lights, all kind of things, stop and see Beth at the Christmas table over to the left. God bless you and have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Let this dark room in silence 
doing all that I'm supposed to do. 